Right. Here's the plan. We take the train, we go to Hard Home, grab Bill Murray, say hello to Eddie and MJ, and come back to the pub, play ourselves the banjo. Got that? Welcome to Channel Eight and a Half. Hello, and thank you for joining us at Channel Eight and a Half, a show all about movies and TV and pop culture. My name is Joe Galina. And I'm Andrew Hanna. Andrew, how are you doing this October day, sir? I am so excited, Joe, because today we get to explore a genre that I love, and that is the zombie genre. That's true. This is your baby. This is your episode. I'm a little bit obsessed with zombies. And the great thing about it is that there's there's so much zombie stuff out there. So we're going to actually structure this theme a little bit different than we usually do. Usually we'll structure our themes by talking about the movies themselves. However, we're going to break this up into specific categories. And the categories in this theme will be our favorite zombies or zombie types. Our favorite scenes or set pieces. Our favorite heroes that don't necessarily have to be the main character. And then our favorite zombie kills and our top three. But you knew I was going to come in with the top five zombie movies. True. I didn't expect you to <laughs> actually follow the rules of top three. No, no, I never do. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was apprehensive of this because zombies are the biggest thing around for a long time now. Yeah. And every time we think that the zombie craze is going to die off or die down, it really doesn't. I mean, it's definitely not as much as let's say in the 2010s, that no. was sort of the peak. However, we were still seeing zombie things come out even now. We just talked about one a couple of weeks ago with the girl with all the gifts. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched train to Busan. Did you really? Night. Yeah. You hadn't seen train to Busan. I, I told you to watch that no. years ago. Did you like it? Yeah. We'll talk about it. I, I really, will? It, it oh, made it into my top. That's why I went into top no five. No kidding. Yeah, dude. It was really good. Well, now I'm excited, but let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's start with our favorite zombies, specific zombies, or favorite zombie types. All right. And because this is your baby, you start us off. Okay. Did you order them as like- least uh, of... n- Not really. Neither did I. It's hard with this because there's so much out there. That's something that we could talk about too. Because- How are zombies going to change? The zombie genre has to change with what's going on in the world right now. With coronavirus and all that, it has to. The Girl with All the Gifts was sort of the first indication to me that the genre is heading into new, more realistic territory, considering the fungus it was based on does actually exist in the world, albeit only infecting the ant population. But what if it does jump to humans? The interesting thing is I was watching the making of 28 Days Later because I was curious as to... If they actually did close the streets of London at such a low budget. Yeah, they did. They would shut down the streets of London for a couple of hours in the very early mornings. And that's how they got Cillian Murphy kind of walking around. And they got all these iconic locations, Big Ben and all of that. And they would just do it for a couple of hours, though. I was reading a thing with Danny Boyle, actually, where he talked about he brought his daughter who was, and this is kind of a sexist story, and he admits this too, but apparently the types of drivers that are driving around London at four o'clock in the morning are basically burly old men. (laughs) Yeah. And so when they would stop traffic to obviously clear it out for Cillian Murphy to be alone in London, he would send his daughter out there to to say, (laughs) oh, hey, we're shooting a movie. Can you give us two minutes? And then the burly workers would just go, oh, yeah, of course I can. Absolutely. Whereas if it was some dude like you and me, they'd be like, no. 
Get oh, yeah. out of here, guy. When you're on a low budget, you use whatever you have to your disposal. <laughs> Even Danny Boyle was like, I feel bad about it, but, you know, it got the job done, so. <laughs> well, apparently their their budget was so strapped and they likely wanted to put the money toward closing those streets and then mm-hmm. getting the big house and things like that, that the zombies in the church were all not paid. They were just given tea. Which you can only get away with in Britain. (laughs) Well, that does make sense, though, because, you know, in America, coffee is the biggest thing. If you don't give people coffee on a set, there's going to be rioting. Oh, yeah. Coffee is the one thing that if you don't have it, people will (laughs) turn the joint over. Tea, on the other hand. (laughs) What did Ted Lasso say? Brown, dirty water or something? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. I'm going to talk about 28 Days Later a little bit later. Yeah, I watched that last night, too, because I needed a throwback. I haven't seen it in so long. Anyway, my favorite zombie, one of my favorites, is... And this is going to go into video games. The Witch from Left 4 Dead. Okay. Because that thing is so freaky. For those of you who haven't played it, Left 4 Dead came out in 2008 and was a co-op game that you could either play with a friend or with the NPCs, the non-play of characters. And it consisted of a team of four survivors, including yourself, traveling from point A to point B on the map. And the virus in this game is actually really cool because it reacts differently with some people. So you get these different zombie types that you encounter along the way, like the boomer, which is this morbidly overweight zombie that if you shot would explode with zombie blood and attract even more zombies. And the hunters, which are basically parkour zombies that move and jump incredibly fast. And one of the zombie types is the witch. And you'll usually encounter her in a dark and quiet alley or a room. And as you approach one, you begin to hear weeping and crying and this unnerving music. And she's sensitive to light and sound. So I used to try to get around her without setting her off, but sometimes she'll be blocking a doorway you need to get through. So it's inevitable. But once you do shoot her or disturb her, she is terrifying and lurches towards you while screaming this high-pitched scream. And she's very difficult to kill. It was terrifying. We used to play together. We played it once together. You and I didn't play it as much. Yeah, you and I didn't play this one as much together. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was actually Black Ops 2 that we used to play. Yeah, the witch from Left 4 Dead is one of my favorite zombie types. So what's the narrative of Left 4 Dead? I believe it was initially thought to be a mutation of the flu virus by their CDC. However, it's later revealed that it's some sort of government cover-up and that it was actually a mutation of rabies. Okay. And... What's kind of freakishly relevant is that there are a handful of survivors that are immune due to a trait passed down through, I think, the X chromosome. However, although asymptomatic, they could still be carriers of the virus. And what's cool about Left 4 Dead is that the information isn't communicated to you through cutscenes, but through graffiti and newspaper cutouts that litter the walls of these safe houses that act as safe points. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So for instance, there's one safe house where someone writes, I was here only a week and they're already shipping people out. And under that, someone says, those are carriers. And then under that, it just says good riddance. The only good carrier is a dead carrier. Hmm. Another wall in a safe house will say, It takes at least three days to change and the three is crossed out and someone writes under it, no, it doesn't. It takes two and a half hours. And then under that, someone says, I saw it happen in five minutes. So you're given little bits of information, especially about the volatility of the virus and then just how it came to be. Okay, You're not given as much through the game, but they did create a comic book based on the game. Okay, number three, which I have also not ordered these in any order of favorite or most important to least important. I'm just putting numbers on things just because. (laughs) Number three. Favorite zombie in culture is Eddie the Iron Maiden mascot. 
Now, obviously you know what that is, Andrew, but for people who don't, Iron Maiden is a, is a metal band most prominent in the 80s. And their mascot, if you pull up any of their logos, I'm gonna look, do it I'm right gonna, now. I remember it. I actually recognize it. You'll know the image when you see it. You'll know Eddie because yeah. Eddie is the iconic mascot of really metal because it's, it's one of the, the most well-known sort of metal images. He's yeah. a zombie that is always on the cover of all the Iron Maiden artwork. And he's been on them since the very beginning. But the great thing about Eddie is that he can be anything. In one album cover, Number of the Beast, he can be manipulating Satan. On another one, he can just be flying a plane. Well, yeah, you know? and there's one where he's like a British soldier during the revolution. That's right. And then there's one where he's a pharaoh. Yes, he is. What? <laughs> That's actually really cool. That's fun. Uh-huh. And the image of Eddie, though, is a really iconic image and i think people people who would know this guy what are you laughing at i just pulled up a picture i just saw ann coulter and i was like what is ann coulter doing in the, <laughs> the results and it says iron maiden mascot eddie weds ann coulter <laughs> see eddie That's can do it really all funny. yeah eddie can do it all i don't have a lot of analysis for this i don't have a reason i don't have a left for dead he's just really cool. I mean, he's just use. awesome yeah and when you see Iron Maiden live, if the energy kind of dips a little bit, they will bring out a giant Eddie and walk him on stage. And it's a big, you know, it's obviously a guy on stilts, yeah. but it's an entire costume and a whole thing. And he'll walk around and he gets the crowd going. <laughs> it is magnificent. I didn't know bands have mascots. So that's actually really, this is unique to Iron Maiden. This is, is an smart. Iron Maiden thing. Yeah. But look up the album art if you truly want to understand what I'm talking about. Hard to describe in an audio medium when I'm describing just album art. <laughs> but Eddie from Iron Maiden, number three for me. What is your number two? Funny enough, it's actually another video game. Okay. It's Black Ops 2 Zombies. Or really the Black Ops Zombies in general, but the Black Ops 2 is the only one that I really oh, consistently this, played. This makes me angry and I don't like it. I have a grudge against Black Ops Zombies, but please make your case first. Why do you have a grudge against Black because Ops Zombies? Because I was pitched, and this is your fault, by the way. I was pitched <laughs> Black Ops Zombies as a mode where you have an objective and like there's a driving force in a very Walking Dead CDC-like way where you're actually striving towards something. As it mm -hmm. turns out, when you play Black Ops Zombies, there is no goal. The goal is just run around in a circle and survive. I was promised to do something <laughs> and then i was conned i was i was shisted i was too though i didn't you. know i did not know joe this when is I, your when fault sir so mind you i couldn't get past this damn I, I don't know is it a campaign i guess it is a campaign it's a zombies campaign black ops started the zombies campaign with please set World the War scene set the scene while i see <laughs> world war ii game is when black ops first introduced zombies and they were zombie nazis which was a really fun kind of new thing and later on they made films about it and yeah at that time zombie nazis were becoming more of a big deal i know yeah. the movie dead snow was around that time as well which was obviously zombie nazis i think it was earlier than that i think it? it was too i know that there was that movie which i think was dead snow 2 which was nazi zombies on the moon november 16 2009 okay. same year you're right yeah. yeah, because Call of Duty has been known for adapting movie sequences into their games. Even Modern Warfare did it. Yeah, like they'll have like the scene with the rock. They'll have the scenes with Air Force One. So it makes sense that they 
kind of weave that into it. The collective consciousness in 2009 was just ready for zombie Nazis. What's cool about Black Ops 2 zombies is that they are slow moving, similar to... George A. Romero zombies. Exactly. And I always thought to myself, could you really be overrun by those slow moving zombies? And this game proved to me that you can and easily because it'll start out with one or two and you'll shoot them, but then it'll attract more. And then before you know it, there are 10 more during which time you still need to find the different scrap parts because it is a puzzle game as well where you need to jerry-rig these junk parts that you find along the way to create weapons or generators in order to open doors or power control panels. So there's always this sense of urgency. The specific map I'm referring to is called Transit, and it features this bus that transports you to three different sections of the map, a bus stop, a gas station, diner, and a farm all of which contain different pieces of puzzles. And you can't control the bus, so once it stops at a section, you have a short period of time to find the puzzle pieces while killing zombies and staying alive before the bus honks its horn and then moves on to the next section. And once you miss the bus leaving, you're stuck there to fend for yourself until it comes back. But I just love the whole aesthetic of the map, which is sort of this 1950s vibe and the sound of the zombies. Even one of the other maps is called Nuketown, and it's supposed to be set in one of those faux towns they used to build Mm -hmm. when testing nuclear weapons. That's all well and good. Until you realize... You realize there's no end goal. (laughs) There is no end goal. The bus just keeps going round and round, and you're sitting there going, what's the point? I think the point is to reveal the part of the broader story that this specific game is telling, because the full anthology is spread amongst all the Black Ops games. Like The new one that's coming out, Cold War, is also going to have zombies in it. What else is on your list, Joe? Number two on my list, I'm going to go with a movie, and I'm going to go with... The monkey named Jack from Pirates of the Caribbean. Because oh, those Pirates are te- the Caribbean. Good call. Yeah. technically zombies. And the best yeah. one, obviously, is Captain Barbosa's friend, the monkey named Jack. He is resourceful, provides companionship, and he serves a purpose. He goes and helps Barbosa get the medallion back from Jack when they're attacking the ship. He provides the best joke in the whole movie when they say, we named the monkey Jack. Well, thank you, Jack. You're welcome. Not you. We named the monkey Jack. I just wanted to basically talk about Pirates of the Caribbean as well. He also has a little musket, which is so fun. He does get a little musket. He looks really cool as a zombie, too. He looks really freaky. And then, really, one of the you know predating Marvel after credit scenes, at the very end of the first Pirates of the Caribbean, you see him take one of the medallion pieces again and turn back into a zombie monkey. Which oh, I, don't I, if you knew, I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to watch that movie a lot. I love it. I love it so much. Underrated zombies, pirate zombies. It was so cool when they were walking underwater and then the moonlight streaming through the water. Oh, I'm going to talk about the moonlight later. Yeah, it's just, it's so cool. So number two for me, the monkey named Jack, Pirates of the Caribbean. What's next for you? The zombie from Hocus Pocus. What? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Did you have this on your list too? (laughs) I also had this on my list. All right, that's okay. No, that's okay. I bet we were both like, oh, I'm so clever for choosing this. Joe's not going to remember the zombie from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Billy. Mm-hmm. Billy. Billy the zombie. The first word out of his mouth, and really the only few words out of his mouth. Wench. <gasps> Trollop. You bucktooth mop right firefly from <laughs> hell. Ah! I've waited centuries to say that. He's a man of few words, but he makes them count. 
Exactly. But I love when he like he cuts the stitching on his lips and he starts coughing up dust. And then after he curses her out, he looks at the kid and he goes, I've waited centuries to say that. <laughs> like it's been hundreds of years and uh, I still got to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Played by Doug Jones. That's right. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Which, if I mean, Doug Jones, famous for playing creatures, mostly in Guillermo del Toro movies. He played mm-hmm. the fish man in Shape of Water. He was the fawn in Pants Labyrinth. But he is yeah. very famous for his makeup and creature work. He is like the Boris Karloff of our time. Because he plays all the monsters? <laughs> yeah, Boris did his own makeup, though. Like, he was a makeup artist, I think. Really? He? I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure. Like, in the Universal Studios, do you remember, like, the... Uh, they may have stopped it by the time you came to LA, but they used to have these sound stages and it was all about movie effects. And so the first one was green screen. So you got to sit in the DeLorean. And like, I remember I was so excited when I got chosen from the audience to sit in the DeLorean and pretend like I was flying through rainy Hill Valley. And then the second one was makeup and it would tell you all about movie makeup. They told you about Boris Karloff. So I learned of Boris Karloff from Universal Studios. Really? really No, I didn't know that. That must've been done by the time I got there because i don't remember that at all yeah they did close it down and then they turned it into transformers which is a waste i thought backdraft was where transformers was they were right next to each other because it was it was right on the tip of the back lot and they were both sound stages and so they basically split the sound stage in half and this is when universal studios was really leaning into the filmmaking thing i feel like now they've kind of gone into the more mainstream movie type stuff Yeah. yeah like it was really cool you know as a kid who loved movies it was so much fun to watch that but that's where i learned about boris karloff I, I don't think he was a makeup artist, that. though. I think he was just a monster. Oh, that's just a, just a lie you've told to people? Yeah. Well, okay. I never told anyone. <laughs> no one wants to hear about Boris Karloff. That's true. Not exactly the wide appeal that we're looking for. No, Boris Karloff. No, I'm not bringing up Boris Karloff in a bar. <laughs> hey, want to talk about 1932's Frankenstein? Strap in. It's about to be a ride. What else is on your list, Joe? Number one on my list which number one in this means absolutely nothing because there's no particular order because you stole mine. So I had to come up with one very quickly, but it's okay (laughs) because I already had a fourth and it doesn't matter. The zombie backup dancers in Michael Jackson's thriller video. I mean, yeah. Now, very well choreographed for just coming out of the ground and immediately knowing how to do the thriller dance in synchronicity immediately. I have a question about Michael Jackson's thriller video. I don't know if you've seen it recently, but it's very confusing. Yeah, I did a voiceover parody with a mutual friend of ours Tages and it's hilariously terrible oh really Uh, I'll need to find it and show it to you sometime but I know the video very well is what I mean to say Michael Jackson in that he's with the girl they're going out in a movie but he turns into a werewolf first and then afterwards he becomes a zombie what is he is he a werewolf or is he a zombie because he's got zombie backup dancers doing very well choreographed moves but I don't know what he is. It's different because in the beginning, he turns into a werewolf and then it cuts to him sitting in the theater next to the girl. Yeah. And that's where he's wearing the red thing. And so they were watching the werewolf movie and he would just happen to be in it. And then when they leave the theater, then they become zombies. So it's two different storylines. It's a movie within a movie. Oh, that's right. So I guess they're inside the movie when exactly. he becomes the zombie. No, they're inside the movie when he becomes a werewolf. They're watching the movie in the theater. Remember he's eating popcorn? Right. And then the girl like covers her eyes and then he grabs her and they walk out of the theater. And then that's when he turns into a zombie. Okay. Yeah. So he's the zombie in the regular timeline. He's a werewolf in the movie. Exactly. This is very confusing. I haven't even watched this video in years, but the fact that I remember exactly everything is because I made a parody of it. (laughs) I mean, it was too clearly too much for me to handle. (laughs) 
I was gonna say, Joe. <laughs> but I did enjoy the dancing, and I don't oh, even I, mean, I don't even like Michael Jackson that much. But that video and that song, very fun. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, Martin Scorsese directed his bad video. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh huh. All right, next on my list, and this is a very biased edition. Okay, is the Mummy. Wait a minute. Not the mummy himself, but there is a scene right outside of the museum where he's basically zombified the common people, but there were Egyptian zombies. You never get to see Egyptian zombies. He does technically raise up the skeleton, but those are more skeletons than zombies. No. The scene when they're in the streets, they're not dead. They're just like zombie-like, and they're leaving the museum, and then yeah. and they're like walking in the, in the alley, and they're like, this is the 1999 version with Brendan Fraser. Yeah. And yeah. then they're in like the old car, just mm-hmm. plow through them. And they are zombies in a sense. True. True. Do you not remember it? I remember it because then Brendan Fraser gets with the cat and he goes, it's one of the instances with the cat. Mm-hmm. Technically, that's true. They are zombies. They are zombies. I thought you literally were going to say the mummy, like Emotep as the zombie. Oh, no, no, like, no, that's, no. This is not, this is lies, sir. No, it's he just is fun a to mummy. Team. He is not a zombie, even though he is undead. Because really, there's a very specific type of undead that is a zombie. Like a Frankenstein isn't a zombie, even though he's undead. No. A Frankenstein's monster is an amalgamation of different body parts. He was never yeah. alive and then dead and brought back to life. Exactly. But it's fun to see, you know, my my people being represented with the undead. What's next on your list, Joe? That was it. We went through three, three each. Oh, we're only doing three. I, I did five for everything. You did five for everything. I thought we were only doing three for the movies. Oh, I, th- I only did three things for everything. All right. I'll quickly mention the things that I had. Okay. <laughs> Honorable mentions. 28 Days Later. Okay. I love the rage virus. I think that is so cool. And then the girl with all the gifts, because I think that having a second generation and kind of a unique take on it is very interesting. And I think it's what we're going to start seeing a little bit more. But the girl with all the gifts specifically because of the children and that they're triggered by blood. And then there's also this hierarchy in the children that weren't educated. It's just, it's such a cool, cool concept. And yeah, those are my two honorable mentions. Okay. Fair enough. Because you did extra credit because you're a goody two shoes student. And I am, yeah. I'm the cool kid sitting in the back wearing, <laughs> wearing a leather jacket and, and riding a motorcycle. Cause it's the 1950s. Let's go with that. <laughs> you're a kid in high school. You're riding a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Because, you know, I'm like Fonzie. That's what cool yeah. kids do. They're exactly like Fonzie. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to favorite scenes and set pieces. Okay. So I will start off because you probably have 25 of them. So I want to talk about Hocus Pocus more because this was on my list too. Oh, wow. Oh, we're going into Hocus Pocus because... I didn't think we would be. <laughs> oh, no. Go and ahead. I'm really stretching the zombie part of this thin. I want to talk about the I Put a Spell on You musical number in Hocus Pocus because it's the best part of the movie. Billy is chasing them around the town hall. So technically he's in it. So technically this is a scene with a zombie in it so I can talk about it. I have put a spell on you. And now you're gone. My granny fell on you. And it was strong. Strong, strong, strong. Your alive have all been cursed because of all the witches working. And the worst I put a spell on you. I love listening Bette Midler sing I Put a Spell on You. Oh, yeah. And really, the thing that I love the most about that scene is the way the lead singer of the band is dressed as oh, the I weird forgot. skeleton. He's he's in, in a top hat and a skeleton outfit. You know, he's got a tuxedo jacket on, but I just love it so much. And really, if you put Bette Midler in your movie and you don't have her sing, what are you doing? True. They were smart enough to just go, okay, 
who cares about this hocus pocus plot? Let's clear the lane out for five minutes, have Bette Midler sing I Put a Spell on You, and then we'll get back to the matter at hand. It's my favorite thing. It's on ABC Family all the time. So really, if you want to see it, just wait a couple of hours. You'll be able to find it. No, he actually looks like he is from New Orleans. Kind of like a voodoo priest guy. Yeah, he looks like a voodoo priest type skeleton. Mm -hmm. I do like that look. I like the look a lot. I love everything about it. Is that stretching the prompt a little thin? Yeah, but I don't care. There's one zombie in it. I'll give it to you. (laughs) Yep. All right. That's correct. You gave me two honorable mentions, and you're likely going to have to concede a few more honorable mentions, but I'll give it to you. Um, Hard Home, Game of Thrones. Okay. I was wondering when we were going to get to Game of Thrones. That was one of my favorite scenes with zombies in it. Ever. I mean, it's not even a scene. It's you know, 25 minutes of an episode. I just love the stakes in that scene and the way it slowly built up to all out chaos, then sudden silence. Mm-hmm. And the Night King slowly walks to the edge of the docks, stares at Jon Snow dead in the eyes and raises his arms. But even the moment when the White Walkers are perched atop the ridge, looking down at the camp below and a flood of white start pouring into the camp. And as they hit the ground for just a moment, you think that they might not get up. But of course they do. The design of those whites too you know the white walkers are different than the whites if you haven't seen game of thrones they're two different things but essentially the whites can just be decomposed bodies even so much as skeletons but the design of them are also different and they're all really creepy looking and there was a wonderful moment where one of the characters she's facing down a bunch of them and she knows that she's going to die and the design of all of them is so great watching her just get overwhelmed by them yeah she was one of the leaders with the two kids that she put on the boats just moments before only to come face to face with a pack of zombie children and you know in that moment she doesn't have it in her to kill those kids for one episode she shows up for literally 25 minutes half an episode yeah and that speaks to how great game of thrones was at its peak Mm -hmm. because they could introduce characters to you only 45 minutes ago and make you care enough when she's killed off is that your favorite episode of thrones what's your favorite episode of thrones off the top of your head <laughs> i mean hard home is the obvious one that pops in my head because i think mine is i'll give you some time to think mine is blackwater yeah. i think blackwater is a really cool scene because i yeah. think blackwater it, it perfectly exemplifies everything that game of thrones should have been at the end mm-hmm. you know it shows the intelligence of Tyrion. it shows it the the incredible battle sequences but it also gives you the dynamic between cersei and Sansa at the very bottom. So it does give you the interpersonal dynamics as well. I think it encompasses everything. You know, it doesn't show all the characters because it's mostly focused on, well, all it's all in King's Landing. I agree. Blackwater was both satisfying in terms of action as well as character development and drama. And like you said, I love that in that episode, you see Tyrion prove his intelligence and its value in a world that seemingly holds brute force and higher regard than wisdom but in the end of the day not only is he attacked by his own family his father who shows up at the last minute reaps the glory and it's a pivotal moment for his character specifically because it festers until it's released in the episode of his trial when he says i saved you all i should have let stannis kill you all which is probably one of my favorite scenes and that's the thing i don't know that i have a favorite episode but i think i have a lot of favorite moments but what is your favorite episode? I have a couple. I like Blackwater. I do like Hard Home, but the first half of that, when they're not at Hard Home, is kind of forgettable. I like Kiss by Fire a lot. That's the scene where Jon Snow and Egret get together for the first time. 
Yeah. I really like that one. I also like the battle episode, Watchers on the Wall, where they're defending the wall. From the White Walkers or from no, the- No, from, uh, the, from the Wildlings, the first time. It's a great episode, yeah. That's the one where the demise of Jon Snow and Egret. <laughs> I think my favorite full episode is probably Hard Home, but I love the Oberyn death and the hold the door reveal. But I digress. Let's get back to the task at hand. Let me ask you this. Are you going to talk about Don't Stop Me Now from Shaun of the Dead later? That's one of my honorable mentions. Fantastic. I want to talk about, because I want to get as much Shaun of the Dead in as possible. Mm. I want to talk about the scene where they're throwing the records at the zombie at the very beginning, mostly because it's just hilarious, where they're going through the record going, (laughs) no, I don't like that one. No, keep that one. (laughs) Toss it. And he's like, that was an original print. (laughs) Purple Rain. Sign of the Time. Definitely not. The Batman soundtrack. Sade. That's Liz's. Yeah, but she did dump you. Yeah, I love that scene where they're just picking and choosing. Mm-hmm. It's such a smart scene when you think about it. It's mm-hmm. so creative. Yeah, most of the comedy and a lot of what I'm going to talk about, I'll be honest with you, because I'm not a horror movie person in general. and I'm not sort of a connoisseur of, of the genre like many are that are better than me at this. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about is more the comedy side of it. Yeah. And like the horror comedies, the zombie comedies. So that's why a lot of mine... We're not going to get into a lot of serious depth. Well, speaking of funny and fun, I, I would say the opening scene of Zombieland, I really liked. I agree. Where he's introducing the rules and things like that. And why am I alive when everyone around me has turned to meat? It's because of my list of rules. Rule number one for surviving Zombieland, cardio. When the virus struck, for obvious reasons, the first ones to go were the fatties. <laughs> We're going to get into best kills or favorite kills later, but the nun dropping the piano on the zombie, (laughs) that one is very good. Another one of my favorite zombie scenes is the scene outside of Grand Central Station in I Am Legend. Okay. It's just such a tense and eerie scene because Will Smith is driving through the city and he abruptly stops because he sees something. You're not sure what it is at first, but he starts yelling at what we realize is one of the mannequins we had previously seen in the video store that he always goes to. What are you doing out here, Fred? What the hell are you? No! 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 What the hell are you doing out here, Fred? How did you get out of here? Fred, if you're real, you better tell me right now. If you're real, you better tell me right now. And as he approaches Fred, he trips a wire that wraps around his leg and swipes him off his feet, knocking him unconscious as it suspends him from one of the streetlights. And you realize that the zombies have basically set a trap for him. And he comes to just before sunset, which is when the zombies come out because the sunlight burns them. And he has so little time to get back home. So he cuts himself down and begins crawling toward his car at which point the leader zombie comes out of the station with his zombie dogs. And the only thing between him and the dogs is this sliver of light that's pouring through a gap in the buildings, like a starting line. And the tension just keeps building as he's trying to get back to his car and the light is slowly dissipating. And as soon as the light goes out completely, the dogs lunge at him and his dog, Sam, saves him, becoming infected in the process. It's just such a great scene, and it's so sad. What are your thoughts on the ending of I Am Legend and what the original ending was going to be? 
Do you know how the, do you know about this? Yeah. Okay. So I want to read the book because of the original ending. Mm-hmm. And for for those of you who haven't read the book or know what the original ending of I Am Legend is, is it turns out that the legend is Will Smith in a bad way. So he is the boogeyman of the zombies. And he keeps setting traps for them. He keeps kidnapping their people. And he's trying to cure them, but they don't want to be cured. They just want to live. And they did actually shoot that ending. Yeah, they did. And it's sad. But I guess it was considered too bleak. Yeah. But I mean, what's what's great is that you see the girl with all the gifts get away with that ending. That is true. Yeah, they really it really does. The girl with all the gifts that was made with a lot lower budget. It wasn't a tentpole the way that I Am Legend was supposed to be. You know, we we're talking about the zombie genre being so saturated. And it almost felt as though you probably could have made that ending of I Am Legend five years later after the zombie craze had kind of blown over because the studios were probably looking for a different take on it. Yeah. I mean, really, because 28 Days Later came out in 2002, and that's really what kicked off the modern age of zombie stuff, I would say, is 28 Days Later. Really, by 2007, I don't think it was even at its zenith yet. Walking Dead Season 1 was probably the peak zombies in the last 20 years, is what I would say. I would say that's when it's... Uh, no, you might be right, because like that was, that Dawn of the was, Dead... The, the climax. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead had come out right before then. Yeah, so the late 2000s, early 2010s was the peak of the zombie zeitgeist. Oh, yeah. They were the main cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Walking Dead Season 1 was 2010. And Walking Dead Season 1 took a lot from 28 Days 20, Later. The opening of the, opening. the pilot. It's yeah. basically 28 Days Later. Speaking of 28 Days Later, though, mm-hmm. one of my favorite scenes is the drop of blood that falls into Gleason's Yes, eye. exactly. Mm-hmm. Because it's such a tragically stupid way to get infected. They had just arrived at the checkpoint where the radio call promised salvation and no one's there. None of it matters. It's almost like you're just wandering around on an armored bus going from stop to stop in a big circle and nothing matters. Yeah, and he breaks away from the group to take a breath and he's just being taunted by this crow that's pecking at a dead zombie hanging atop a fence and it won't stop. So he goes and kicks the gate trying to shoo the crow away and a drop of blood from the zombie's body falls straight into his eye. Dad, are you alright? Yeah, I'm fine, sweetheart. Sorry I lost my temper. Hannah, I love you very much. What? Keep away from me. Stay where you are. Dad? Keep away from me! Dad? Keep away from me! Keep away from me! Keep away from me! Oh God, it's so emotional, but I love the the shot of the blood dropping into his eye. Like it's the point of view of the drop of blood as it falls. And it's just this swift moment, just an instant. And it's the only time he ever expresses any anger, and it leads to him getting the rage virus. Ugh, it's just so sad. But what is your next scene? For my last scene that I want to talk about, and I'm going to go back to Pirates of the Caribbean, because I really just want to not play by the rules that we've set for this episode. But it involves zombies, so it counts. I want to talk about the last scene in the cave, the climactic fight, where Jack Sparrow and Captain Barbosa are sword fighting. Oh, and yeah. they've both turned into... You know, Jack has picked up the medallion. He's turned into one of the undead. And as they're sword fighting through these shafts of moonlight that come through this cave and they are turning back and forth between skeletons and regular people, I love it. I thought it was incredible. 
the first time I saw that in a theater, because we were about 12 when that movie came out in theaters, Mm -hmm. 12, 13. We had just turned 13 when that movie came out because you and I were born a week apart. I did not ever think about CGI and, and effects like that before this. Yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. No, I agree. I was aware of it in a way that didn't pull me out as much as I was like, I can't believe this is happening. And I'm so excited. Like, I'm so happy that someone did this. Mm -hmm. In that moment, you're just enjoying the crap out of it because it's such a cool visual. But give me your give me your honorable mentions now because you did more work than I did. Quickly go through them. Well, I already talked about the opening scene with Zombieland. Uh I love the doppelganger scene in Dawn of the Dead. Oh, okay. When they're standing on the roof uh-huh. of the mall, and then there's another guy that's on this other building, and that he thing has Rames a, plays chess with. Yeah, and then the second stop of the train in Train to Busan. Okay, like when they're coming down the escalator, and then they all just start rushing up, and the sense of helplessness that they must have felt in that moment. It's amazing that Train to Busan because it came out in 2016 after zombies have been yeah. oversaturated. It's just such a simple premise. If you haven't seen Train to Busan, it's zombies on a train. There's a train from I think it's Seoul. Mm-hmm. And they're going to Busan. That's it. That's the whole movie. But it's finds so many cool ways to do zombies. It's both lighthearted, but also very heavy. It's not quite an action movie, but it's also not quite horror. Like, it's not 28 Days Later horror. It's a genre that I can't really explain, but it's just so fun to watch. It doesn't do anything earth-shattering. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. And I think that is what I loved about this Because this, to me, is what good film is meant to be. It's multiple things at once, not just an action horror film, but you can experience a range of emotions throughout the entire thing. And American blockbusters used to do that with the likes of Jurassic Park, Speed, Air Force One, all those 90s, early 2000s action movies. Whereas now it feels like most blockbusters concern themselves only with the thrills over story or character but you can have both without creating something like you said that's earth shattering like it doesn't have to be this cinematic masterpiece but i want to care about the action and the danger these characters are in but i can't if you don't spend enough time developing them and it doesn't take that long i mean like we mentioned earlier game of thrones did it in the span of one episode Mm -hmm. i think it also has a lot to do with korean films korea is very good at doing horror let's i mean the korean horror you know, scene. Japanese horror films are really scary too. But Japan does it too. It was the grudge Korean. Yeah. Um, no, the grudge was not Korean. The grudge was Japanese. Japanese, right? Yeah. yeah. And then there's another one. Well, I guess the ring. Was well, the also ring was, the ring was Japanese as well. I yeah. Think. Japanese. Yeah. But the Japanese horror has that girl, the long black hair. That's a it's Japanese more about cultural touchstone. Yeah. Yeah. More about spirits and things yeah. like that. Korea is just all over the place. Korea yeah. does zombies. They will do, you know, just weird serial killers. Yeah. Boon Jung Ho did it with the host. Did the host. So they'll do, they'll do giant monsters. The Korean horror output is both incredibly varied and also very good. But that is something I noticed about Korean cinema. And I only noticed the pattern recently with Parasite is that even in heavy dramatic scenes, they aren't afraid to throw in a joke. Mm -hmm. But it's like what I was saying about a film being more than one thing. Parasite was a thriller, but it was also exploring something much larger like the disparity between wealth and class structures in korea and really around the world it's it's very relevant oh yeah no it's it's very big on the social hierarchy they even touched on it briefly in train to busan but yeah moving on my last honorable mention is the birthing scene from dawn of the dead i was going to mention that too if you didn't bring it up i was going to say one of us has to bring up the fact that in Zack snyder's dawn of the dead 
A woman gives birth to a zombie baby. It's that's such an unnerving scene. And then just the blood splurting out when her water breaks. Yeah. And Dawn of the Dead, best unironic use of disturbs down with the sickness. <laughs> and then they bring it back at the end credits. D- Zack Snyder doubles down on down with the sickness. Yeah. So let's move on from favorite scenes and favorite set pieces to our favorite heroes category. Okay. I think I went first the last time. You go first with this one. Sangwa. Is that how you say his name? In Train to Busan? Oh. The, the husband of the pregnant woman? God, you're going to ask the white guy to now <laughs> correct you on the foreign names. Fantastic. I can't wait. But yes, I know who you're talking about. I loved his character. He just seems like this guy with a dad body, but he really is a badass. Like the moment where he's running alongside the train, picks up this right gear shield and then the baton and just starts plowing through these zombies. And just his interactions with the little girl, mm-hmm. like when he's like, you know, what does your dad do? And she's like, oh, he's a hedge fund manager. And he's like, oh, so he's a bloodsucker. Yeah. And then his, his wife smacks him. And she's like, she's like, shut up. Because it is funny. Like, that's the thing about Train to Busan, too, is that it just mixes so many things. Everybody needs yeah. to go see Train to Busan is what we're saying. Yeah, definitely. It is such a good movie. It, it's so emotional. And I just I love that movie. Did you watch it on Netflix? Is it on Netflix still? It was. And then it wasn't. I was so upset because it was on my list and I had been meaning to watch it. And I just rented it on iTunes. Oh, did you? Okay. Because yeah. I didn't I didn't know if it was still on Netflix. Did you Apparently see Peninsula? Not. No. The follow up to it? Oh, yeah. The is that sequel? the name of the sequel? No, Peninsula. I didn't watch it. Apparently yeah. it wasn't great. Yeah, that's what I heard. I, I wanted to see it just to see it. But who's on your list? Andrew, let me ask you this, because I already know the answer. Are Twinkies heroes? He's on my list, too. Oh, no, I'm talking literally Twinkies, like the food, not Tallahassee. Oh, just the Twinkies. Because really, Twinkies are the guiding force for everybody in Zombieland, is the love of Twinkies. And so Twinkies are the heroes we all needed. They gave Woody Harrelson the will to live, so I I will allow it. Twinkies and Woody Harrelson are... They are synonymous. They go hand in hand. Yeah. But if you did want to expand it out into Tallahassee, Woody Harrelson's character in Zombieland, even though he's not the main character, he doesn't get the the traditional arc, which is by Jesse Eisenberg's character. He does get an arc. He does. He does. But he's just so much fun. He, I mean, because, you know, Jesse Eisenberg's character, he's moping around yeah. and, you know, being all whiny. And, you know, Emma Stone's character is the plucky heroine. And Abigail Resident is kind of the kid on the side. Yeah, the black widows in a sense. Essentially. Yeah. Tallahassee, he's so simple. He's a man driven by a love of spongy cakes, <laughs> but he's also haunted by his past. And that's what and I love about him. He just wants to fill that void with spongy cakes. It's something that I completely understand. I get it. <laughs> if you want to fill that void with junk food, who am I to tell you no? I feel like Woody Harrelson is the quintessential zombie hero because he lost what you thought was his dog. Turns out it's his child. And I love that, you know, you, you see a little bit more depth as the story goes on. And then furthermore, he's somewhat given up, but the way that he manifests his giving up on life in a sense is just to have fun with it. So every time he enters a new situation, he wants to try to basically kill a zombie in the most creative way possible. Cause why not? And his love of Bill Murray also understandable. I mean, really, everything about him. And just I like get. how he fangirls over Bill Murray. Yeah, I get it. I love Ghostbusters too. And he sends Jesse Eisenberg out in front of the Chinese theater to get one of the star maps 
in danger just so he can find Bill Murray's house. Yep. <laughs> and he's not stupid. He's going, you go out there and you get yeah. it. What's next on your list? Sam the dog in I Am Legend. Okay. She protected her man. She protected Will Smith. She was a faithful friend and she was his only friend. I loved every scene that they had together. I love that she runs on a treadmill next to him. I love that he gives her baths every night mm -hmm. and he sings Bob Marley to her. It's just, uh, I why love that is, dog And so why much. is she a hero? Because he keeps his hope alive. If it wasn't for that dog, he'd have probably shot himself in the head a long time ago. Oh, yeah. The dog and the mannequins. That's true. And the weird, creepy relationship he has with those mannequins, which, you know, who among us hasn't really? But but you, you cared so much for this dog. Like when she runs into the building and he has to go find her, like that whole scene. And when he finds her, he says, how many times did I tell you not to leave me? Mm -hmm. You know, don't don't go into the dark. Like, how do you have such good chemistry with the dog? <laughs> and I love that character. And I love that she was, like you said, his driving force. She was what kept him alive. Another thing that keeps people alive much less cuddly and fun, is Ash's chainsaw hand from Army of Darkness. Have you ever seen Army of Darkness? I haven't, no. <laughs> okay. So Army of Darkness is the third movie in the Evil Dead trilogy. Ash, from Evil Dead 1 and 2, gets sent yeah. back in time to then deal with undead zombies with only a shotgun, a chainsaw, and his trusty Oldsmobile. And his arm gets hacked off, and so he attaches a chainsaw to it and just starts going to town. And Army of Darkness is the most, com again, the most comedic of the Evil Dead movies. And those movies are, are already kind of, you know, bordering on comedy as well. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, chainsaw on your arm, just for easy reaching. Don't need to carry it. Your other hand is free to do other stuff. It's just good planning. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. My next one is Nick Frost from Shaun of the Dead. So you didn't go with Shaun. Explain yourself. I mean, I love Sean, obviously. Sean is the obvious favorite from that, but Nick Frost was just, he had some of the funniest moments. Like the moment where the girl impales herself on the pole, <laughs> and then all you hear is like the disposable camera clicking, and then his just his whole argument of, you know, oh, that's not a real gun. Dogs can't look up. Dogs and then can't look up. Yeah. Sean takes the gun and then shoots it, and he looks at Nick and he goes, okay, but dogs still can't look yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> when they're trying to get into the Winchester and then Nick gets a, a phone call. <laughs> yeah. I think it was his it drug was dealer. His drug or, something. dealer. Yeah. <laughs> or no, it was a guy looking for weed. Yeah. Nick Frost sells him drugs and he oh, goes, no, right, man, no right. man, I got nothing. And he goes, what's up, May? <laughs> I just, I love his character. Anyone else on your list? Last on my list favorite heroes that don't need to be the protagonist of the movie. I am going with the genre of music, punk rock, the punk rock genre. Now, let I me explain. I went into video games and you went into rock. Can I just say, I appreciate that. True. <laughs> we really haven't been milking the and pop culture part of the intro. When we say movies, TV and pop culture, we're really making up for that in this one. That's why I really wanted to go into video games. Have you ever seen the movie The Return of the Living Dead from 1985? I think I've seen scenes of it, but I haven't seen the entire You have seen scenes of it, and I know because yeah. we talked about it before. But let me explain that this movie was way ahead of its time, right? Oh, so we yeah. were just talking about Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is a movie where the characters are aware of the zombie genre. That was made in 2004, where everything has kind of, you know, become more meta. The Return of the Living Dead, one of the very early on first scenes of the movie... The two main characters, Frank and Freddy are these two sort of lunch pail guys, you know, punch in, punch out, Barney Rubble, slide down the back of a brontosaurus and go to, go to work type of dudes. 
Yeah. They work in a medical supply warehouse. And the older guy, Frank, is explaining to Freddy. He says, you ever seen that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Well, that was based on a real thing. And so they're referencing the movie Night of the Living Dead in The Return of the Living Dead as a thing that was, hey, that's real. Also, they're they're just sort of, you know, bumbling around and Frank shows Freddy the body that they have that was supposedly from that movie, you know, Night of the Living Dead. They're like, no, no, it was real. It was real. We got one of the bodies downstairs. Let me show you. And so they go down and he does show him a, a decaying corpse and he bangs on it and he goes, no, no, everything's fine. This thing, nothing can get out of this. And he bangs out it. And then this gas starts leaking out of it. Yeah. And that's the beginning. That's how everybody gets infected. Yeah. But. The reason why punk rock is the savior of this movie is because the entire aesthetic of the movie is based around the punk rock scene of the mid eighties. And so a lot of the characters in there, there's a character named trash Mm -hmm. and you know, they're all, it follows these kind of group of, of punk rock kids. You know, there's scuzz. There's a character named suicide. (laughs) That mentality is behind the entire movie. It's subversive. It's also the first movie where you have talking zombies, where they have motivations. And it's also where zombies wanting brains you know what oh, do zombies that's right. yes, what do yes. zombies eat they eat brains it's because of this movie that that yeah. became a thing yeah that, now i remember which one this, it is you're talking about mm-hmm. the soundtrack is also all of these punk rock hits well not even hits but they're just it's just a punk rock soundtrack and the soundtrack is amazing so obviously punk rock is the hero of this movie and really <laughs> zombies in general because a lot of what we get from zombies comes from this movie i love how in this movie also, everybody's very accepting that it's zombies. There's a point in the very early Frank and Freddy, they kind of reanimate the corpse on accident. And both of them are very okay with this. Like they're freaking out. Yeah. But they're also being like, okay, it's zombies. We get it. They think of Dawn of the Dead and they go, okay, remove the head or take off the brain. Just like the yeah. same Shaun of the Dead, right? So they do that in Return of the Living Dead, but then the body's still moving around and they go, <laughs> they go, I thought you said it was to take out the brain. And he goes, that's what they said in the movie. It would work. And he goes, the movie lied. Then, I like, I like when they go meta with, it, with was, that it is and yeah. 1985. I need to watch that. It is. It's very good. I don't think a lot of people have seen it or at least no, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. It might sort of be an under the radar. I think it's more of a cult, it's a cult movie classic. than anything yeah. else. The creature, the effects in it though, it's very gory. It's very gory and bloody mm-hmm. and like, you know, you see the tendons and the spinal fluid coming out of, you know, the corpses and whatnot, Oof. but yeah. it's also very bleak. It's weird because it's a very sort of subversive message to it because at the end the movie came out in 1985, so I don't really care. I'll, I'll spoil it. The end of the movie, it's very comedic, but also at the end, the military just blows everybody up. So they just call in the military because they see on the side of the canister, right? At the very beginning, they go, okay, in case of emergency, call this number. But they don't do that because they go, nah, we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. (laughs) At at the very end, after they've screwed everything up and everybody's infected, they go, okay, maybe we should call somebody. And so they call the number. And then at the end, the military goes, all right, and just nukes the whole place. And they go, ah, there's only like 4,000 deaths. Perfectly fine. And that's the end. That's how it ends. So again, the, the punk rock mentality lives on even in the ending of that movie. You talking about the military reminds me of the episode of Community with the Zombies. We're going to talk about that later. And I'm going to say Jeff as a zombie still texting on his Blackberry is so probably cool. one of my favorite heroes. <laughs> yeah. Was it, uh, it was Donald Glover. It was uh-huh. like, how are you still so cool? <laughs> I think we can move on to favorite zombie kills. Favorite kills. Let's do it. Let's do it. You go first. 
my number one, and probably I, I will say this is my favorite, is Dueling Banjos, Zombieland. Ah, yeah, okay. Well, you have to. I mean, Woody Harrelson playing like, and then the guy comes out and he's like, you got a pretty mouth, and then smacks him with a banjo. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Zombieland, because I'm going to bring up one from Zombieland 2. Which is the I very seen beginning. It. I wanted to see it. It's not as good as the first one. I would argue that one of the funniest parts in it is the very beginning. Maybe only I thought this was interesting because I've sat through a lot of beginnings of movies. But the Columbia statue, you know, the lady mm-hmm. holding the torch. Yeah. They do a very like the Scott Pilgrim thing, right? Where they change the the logo around a little bit. Yeah. During the beginning, you know, it does the the banana and it pulls back mm-hmm. and then two zombies come in and rush the, the Columbia lady and she just bashes him in the head. And then oh, goes back really? To, yes. And then <laughs> she goes back to standing there all tall with the torch. Wait, so I, I thought that up? was funny. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Look it up. Zombieland that 2 so Columbia cool. logo. I like it when movies do play with the logo oh, yeah, of I the studio agree. a little bit. Now, if yeah. everybody did it, it would be oversaturated. So Maybe it would lose its fun, but Scott Pilgrim did it, turned the logo into an 8-bit logo. Yeah. Pineapple Express, I know, did it. You know, um, Tarantino <laughs> does it all the time. I love the blood uh-huh. spattering on the sea. <laughs> That's like, really cool. Colombian lady doesn't take nothing from nobody. That's actually really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Is that one of your zombie kills? Yes, it is. Nice. I like it. Well, and I'll, I'll move on to mine, another mm-hmm. one too, because we were just talking about it. I want to talk about community, and though nobody gets killed per se, yeah. When Jeff gets taken in the basement, you know, and infected, we're going to call infected killed for this sake because it, mm-hmm. you know, community is a sitcom. At the very end of the episode, when it's only Troy Abbott and Jeff are left alive, quote unquote, and they're wandering through the basement trying to find a way out, and Jeff will not crawl up to the top window to escape <laughs> because he doesn't want to mess up his he has suit. A suit. <laughs> and he goes, Clothes make the man, Troy. And they're like, What are you, an idiot? And then he goes to like a back closet and just gets enveloped by the infected of community was it was hilarious i thought it was great and it's it shows so much about his character he's like i don't care if i die i'm gonna look good (laughs) also there's a great joke in that too where they're going around the basement and they do the classic you know cat jumping off from off screen scare oh yeah but it's very clearly somebody throwing a stuffed cat and then donald glover just goes is someone throwing that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know that that was probably ad lib. <laughs> but those were those were two of mine. What's another one of yours? The box of bullets in Shaun of the Dead, where Sean takes a rifle and he starts shooting into the crowd of zombies, but he cannot hit one for the life of him. And then the fire envelops the box of bullets and the bullets start like heating spraying. up and then start spraying, but then they kill so many zombies. I just love that an inanimate object can kill more zombies than Sean can. <laughs> well, I want to talk about another Shaun of the Dead one, though, because I was going to talk about the moment where David gets killed, gets eaten by zombies too because uh, because he's such a pretentious douchebag the uh, whole time and from minute one when he's on screen you just go god i can't wait for this guy to die and it's so satisfying when he does he gets pulled through the window and then just devoured Mm -hmm. and just seeing his stomach just get ripped into it the other kill that i really liked is bill murray he wasn't was a zombie, but he was dressed as a zombie. And yeah. I love like that moment. <laughs> where he's like, is that how they say hi, where you're from? And she goes, do you have any regrets? And he goes, Garfield. Garfield. 
<laughs> in Zombieland 2, I will say they do get creative with it because they jack it up to 11. In one of the zombie kills, a guy lures a zombie underneath the Leaning Tower of Pisa and then drops the building on top of the zombie. <laughs> which is fun. It is funny. Yeah. And this, it, uh, the best part of the movie is probably the first, you know, five, ten minutes. It's more of the same. It's worth mm-hmm. watching because it is still funny. Is Emma it's Stone just, in that one? Yeah. And they all Abigail come back. Breslin? Yeah, they all oh, come they back. But yeah. it's not as good as the first one. I mean, it didn't add, really add anything, you know? All right. I think we can move on to our favorite movies. Yeah. As I was going over this and as I was thinking about all of the things that I was going to talk about today... I talked myself into Return of the Living Dead being my number three on this list. Really? I really wow. do like it that much. And weirdly, if you watch it, though, it's not a great movie. The performances yeah. aren't earth shattering. It is cheesy, but just the fun of it and the feel of it and the fact that it does say interesting things. So the zombies, they do work as a team. They have intelligence. They lure people. You know, there's a very famous scene where a zombie gets on the radio of a ambulance and says, send more cops. Cause they've already killed all the cops that got sent. And so oh, he's interesting. Yes. He says to the, he gets on the radio and says, send more of them. There's a moment where they're talking to a female zombie and they eat brains and they ask her, well, why do you eat brains? And she goes, it makes the pain go down. Yeah. And so the zombies, they feel pain. There's a motivation for them for why wanting mm-hmm. to eat brains. It's just fun. It reminds me of the crazies because the crazies were intelligent zombies as well. The crazies were intelligent zombies. Did you see? So the remake of the crazies that came out in 2009 with Timothy, Timothy. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, Because George A. Romero made one before in the sixties. I believe it was 1968, 1967, Mm -hmm. somewhere around there. And the end of that, the government, I think bombs the the government. Yeah. It's not a happy ending. Yeah. But that movie, the crazies was such a surprise to me. I had, I had such low expectations going into that. I saw that at like 10 o'clock in the morning when it first came out at a terrible theater in North Hollywood. And I walked out of there going, wow, that was great. Yeah. And it flew under the radar. Not a lot of people saw it. I mean, it gained a little bit of attention after the fact. I think. Uh, What else is on your list? Give me your full, full list. Full list. Okay. Return of the Living Dead. Shaun of the Dead. 28 Days Later. And I was thinking back on it, and I really like 28 Days Later. 28 Days Later was number one on every single list that I looked up. Really? In research for this, and I was surprised. Oh. Because 28 Days Later, I mean, it established a lot of the tropes of that era. Of the modern zombie. Of the modern yeah. zombie era. Like, George A. Romero, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Yeah, you know, did zombies back then you know again 60s 70s created it in a sense and then created the genre as we know 20 it. days later sort of revolutionized it mm-hmm. so yeah 20 days later was on my list Zombieland is on my list because it's so much fun mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead of course I Am Legend captured my imagination at the time you I love I Am Legend I, more than I anybody that I know though I, I think I love the emotional driving force and I, I love the idea of someone being alone in New York City I think that's just so cool and then Train to Busan made it into my top five I okay. thought Train to Busan was phenomenal. It was Snowpiercer, but better. Just because they're both set on trains? was basically <laughs> Snowpiercer. They're trying to get to the front of the train. and That's true. They know, are trying to get to the yeah, front of the they train. They have to go like car by car. But I, I think Train to Busan, because I was watching it in the beginning, and I was like, I wonder if this is going to be one of those things where people feel like they have to like it. Because how much can you do on a train with zombies? It seems like they would just keep going in, in circles. But at no point did I feel as though a moment was redundant 
or that I was like, oh, this has already been done or anything like that. It was it was very original in the way that it went about guiding you through the the storyline. I really like Train to Busan. I have three honorable mentions that I literally wrote down while we were talking. Hit me. This is a, a shout out to our film school cinematography teacher, Matthew Conan. Mm-hmm. He made a movie in 2007 called Wasting Away, and it's a, about a zombie outbreak in a bowling alley. They're, they work in a bowling alley, but the yeah. premise of it is that it's from the zombie's point of view. It was also it was titled Wasting Away when he shot it. It got renamed to Ah, Zombies, and that's what <sighs> it is. That's the title of it, and the poster is basically the poster for 40-year-old version. It's a romantic comedy type of poster, but the zombies are on the poster. It's very funny, and it's a very good movie, and I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And I just love like just the campiness of it. It was very self-aware as well. Because the main characters in it are zombies, but they don't know they're zombies. So sometimes it'll cut to another point of view that will show them as what they really are, which is, you know, zombies infected. But then it'll cut back and they're just talking like normal. So they don't realize that they've been infected. It's a really smart take on the genre. It was also, I don't know if you remember, it was black and white, and then the only thing that's color is the neon green. They get a shipment of this goo from the military on accident, and then pour it into their ice cream or their milkshake machine, and then they start eating the goo, which turns them into zombies, mm-hmm. and then everything begins to become color, and they're like, this is so delicious. <laughs> and so it's just, it's I, I really like that movie. So shout out to an old friend, Matthew Conan. Thank you for teaching us how to make movies. <laughs> and then the zombie episode of Community. That is just okay. such a great episode. And I, I love that the meat is infected and the Dean's whole <laughs> role in that when he's, what is he dressed as? He's dressed Cher? as Lady, Lady Gaga. Oh, Lady Gaga. That's right. And the I just playlist that's playing the whole time is <laughs> ABBA. <laughs> and it's, it's also his iPod. And so you get yeah. his reminders. And then did you watch the show Testies? No. Was that the British show? No, I think it's Canadian. But I don't think I've ever met anyone who's seen it. Testies is about these two roommates who are human guinea pigs for this lab that's sort of like the FDA, but I guess privatized. And every episode is based on the current product, drug, or procedure that they've been subject to. And one of the episodes centers around a deodorant that one of the roommates is given to try out that releases like these pheromones that is meant to attract women to him. But it ends up turning every woman he comes into contact with into these feral zombies and eventually the entire female population of his town or his his city is after him and he literally has to board himself up in his apartment and Uh the entire episode is structured like a zombie apocalypse and it's actually very funny it's a great show let me ask if you were going to okay so you're in a mall you've got a golf cart if you could have a playlist a la the dean and his abba playlist playing while you are going on a zombie killing rampage what artist would you choose and what would be your weapon only one artist? Yeah. Because you only get, because it was only the ABBA playlist that the Dean queen. had. It has to be Queen. Really? You'd go Queen? My I first thought, so. my first thought was Elton John. <laughs> I don't know A why. rocket man. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Elton John would be good. I would say Graduation by Kanye West, that album. Oh, you're going. That album was just so high. So much fun. Yeah. What would be your weapon then? can't be a gun right it can be whatever you want because i think mine would be as i give you some time to think about it i think mine would be and it's not practical because you only get two bullets but it's satisfying a pump action shotgun because the ba-bang ba-bang is really satisfying to to hear 
Well, but that's the problem, though, is that it takes so long to reload. It's it, you die immediately. So that's a stupid choice. Or the gun that the Terminator uses, but that would blow my arm off. He, where yeah, you, yeah, the sawed uh-huh. off. The sawed off, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Samurai sword? Ooh, samurai sword? Gotta be sharp. Like Michonne from Walking Dead? But yeah, I think that wraps up our very long episode on Zombies. This was a long episode. It was. But it was fun. And as always, we would love to hear from you. What are your favorite zombies, zombie types, characters, scenes, and sequences in zombie films? And of course, your top three, or if you're like me and love the genre, top five zombie films of all time. Catch us next week on Watchlist Volume 9, where we'll be watching Borat's subsequent movie film, the new Netflix original film Rebecca, a remake of Alfred Hitchcock's Academy Award-winning film by the same name, as well as the 2019 follow-up to The Shining, Doctor Sleep. As we've mentioned before, we are shooting to reach 1,000 subscribers on YouTube to become partners, so if you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing. If you have any ideas for a theme you'd like us to discuss, or a film, TV show, anything pop culture, let us know on YouTube, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find all those links on channel 8 That's channel 8 and a half completely spelled out.com we have new episodes every thursday until next time my name is joe galino and i'm andrew hannah and this is channel eight and a half